Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. This is Pastor Anthony Tresoni from Westminster Baptist Church. This is Pastor Ben Palaz from Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, the home of the Masters. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yes, indeed. And for those who are just hearing our podcast for the first time, we're both family pastors and we're dedicated to helping others, especially parents and child care workers, to learn how theology and basic biblical truth intersect with how we relate to kids in our church as well as in the home. And today on our podcast, we're going to be learning about how you can connect the ministries of the church to the ministries of parents in the home. So that's going to be our summary. We're going to be talking in detail about just the different ways that that affects what happens in church and the life of the parent at home. So who does the Bible tell us is primarily responsible for discipling kids? Well, it commands parents to do that most fundamentally. And even more specifically, there's a more emphasis put towards the fathers. Not that mothers aren't involved. But it was just, it's understood that God's design is for a husband and a father mm-hmm. to lead his family, but the mother certainly is involved. And I think of a, a song my daughters listen to, it's based on Proverbs 6, 2, and 3, I think. Uh, it's, my son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them around your neck, tie them on your heart. And so it's not neglecting at all the role of the mother, but it's just putting more responsibility towards the dad to mm-hmm. take initiative in that, to see that that's happening. In Ephesians 6 4, um, fathers don't provoke your children to wrath, but instead bring them up in the, the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. Again, moms are doing that too, but dads are taking the, the lead in that. You know, I want to inject on this that we talk about this when we bring this up. We do say rightly that parents are the primary disciples of their kids. but st- And studies actually show us that almost everyone that goes to church, almost everyone that claims to be Christian would say that this is the case. But the funny thing is some of those same studies show us that most think that parents being the primary disciples of their kids means parents just putting kids in church programs and sufficient number of church programs. Do you think that's the case? Sadly, that does happen quite a bit. Not as much intentional stuff going on at home, whether it's you know, worshiping together as a family, which we do have done another podcast about that, or if it's just taking opportunities to have conversations about it, uh, that often doesn't happen as much as you know, we would like to, and there's more Absolutely. more leaning on, oh, well, they're going to get their Bible story at church or whatever it is. And I think even most churches often really believe this kind of thing just in language only. They might say, absolutely, we are firm believers, the parents are the primary disciples of kids, but we don't see anything that that changes. In fact, a lot of things psychologically would give the impression that that's not at all the case. But this actually means, I think, as you mentioned in family worship and things like that, which we talk about in the last podcast, this means parents take an active daily role in their kids' spiritual development. It means an intentional time nearly every day, if not every day. Yeah, I mean, we're teaching that all of life is about God. I mean, Romans eleven thirty six says, you know, all things are from him and through him and to him, to him be the glory forever. So we're trying to teach them that, that God is central to our lives. And so yeah. it's, it's more than just doing a family worship time or more than going to church. You know, it's just weaving him into the details of our lives and so that's that changes a lot with that being said 
Should local churches even be in the business of discipling kids if this is the role of the parents? I would say yes to an extent. I mean, the church okay. is involved in making disciples, and we live in, in the reality uh, that Christ's kingdom has, has come already, but it has not come in all its fullness. And so it's not fulfilled in all its goodness and its glory. And so not everyone has a godly dad or a mom, whether that's because of death or that's because of divorce or that's because of just sin. There's a lot of things that factor in there. Now, God most often uses other people um, in, mm-hmm. in a child's life besides their parents. Now, the parents are the primary influencers and, and disciple makers, but God does also put, whether it's grandparents or aunts or cousins or friends who can love the child and speak into the child's life as well. And so I think churches should champion the role of parents, and but while also encouraging others other adults, other godly people to, if they see someone who's uh, in particular in a case where the child doesn't get that kind of reinforcement at home, to kind of come alongside them as they're able and to point them to the Lord. You know, I think with that question, a really interesting stat I saw recently that was talked about by Christian Smith, who's a sociologist at, I think, University of Notre Dame. I heard him talk on a podcast. And he said that a lot of evidence that shows some churches without children program whatsoever, or especially churches without youth programs, have higher retention rates, which means there's a higher number of kids that continue to stay in their parents' faith as an adult in churches that don't have children or especially youth programs at all. And again, I I think that not all to say that those things are inherently bad, and I'll want to contend a little bit later that it's not at all bad. There's a lot of good in having especially children's programs, but I think that shows us the onus is needs to be on parents and not this consumeristic approach of what do you have for my kids? Mm-hmm. What do you have that I can put my kids into? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very telling statistic. I, I'm, I'm surprised at that, but not, not completely blown away. Getting the children to participate more, there is a they are actually a part of the church, and they're not just in like this wing of the building, or in some cases in a completely different building of their own. And then yep. you know, there's a lot of emphasis on entertainment or that kind of thing, keep making sure the kids are having fun. Yeah. And then, and I haven't read the book, but I'm I've read quotes from a book that this guy Christian Smith wrote um, based on sociological studies that he mm-hmm. and some some others did, and they said you know, Christian teenagers know. All they really know about the Bible is supposed to, how they're supposed to feel about it, but they don't really know a lot uh-huh. of the content of what Christians believe and yep. and how how Christ shapes our lives. And so, yep. uh, the truth is that uh, children's programs aren't even aren't in the Bible. So as a result, with that, we really have no authority, I think, to require a church children's programs in the way that often those do. Again, I, I still think that there's a lot of good in it, but the Bible doesn't tell us that a church needs to have a nursery, the church needs to have a children's Sunday school class. The Bible doesn't tell us that a church should have Awanas. And so therefore, with that being said, if we really believe that Scripture is sufficient, which means it's enough, the we have no right to require the those kind of things upon churches. And we can say that churches can thrive even without those things. And in fact, I think the Bible does show us one thing that's relevant for kids, and it shows that often kids were the norm to be part of the worship service. 
and now there's going to be debates about different ages. And so clearly the best ministry to kids is actually the basic general biblical ministries of the church. But just because these kind of things are not required by the Bible doesn't mean that they're not helpful. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, there can be helpful ways of yeah. of ministering to people at different points in their life or their situations, especially when you're taking into account cognitive development and that kind of thing. Yeah. And to piggyback on some of what you said, I, I think that this, one, it really makes up for the absences of this kind of thing in the home because whether we like it or not, the reality is that most parents do not take an active role in discipling their kids. And so it is important, though, that they hear and learn from the Word of God in a true and deep sense. Many unchurched kids, frankly, even church kids that don't have parents that are Christian at all, have historically been saved through children's ministries, especially often Sunday school programs. It really can't be too much learning for kids, even for the kids that do have that family worship time, even the kids that the parents are intentional in discipling the kids. It's great to have even more, isn't there? I think, yeah, I mean, the, the get more of God's Word that you can pump into them the better, so, yeah. and I, and you, there's not a maximum, <laughs> right, right, and I mean, you and I wouldn't be doing, would not be doing what we're doing, um, if we didn't think that it was a good thing. How will discipleship of kids be different in the church, though, versus the home? What the, when when you've got a the church gathered and you're doing things there, there's more group teaching and group discussion. It tends to be more structured. I mean, I, I know with kids stuff, it can be a little chaotic, but I mean, there's still structured mm-hmm. elements to it, and there's not nearly as much room for discipline. I mean, in in the strict sense, discipline's teaching. It's not my my responsibility to discipline the kids at church that's their parents responsibility you know and now if something comes up and say hey this is this is how things are going to be here you can't go yeah. around hitting kids or biting them or whatever in the home that relationship between parent and child authority and and the child is who's supposed to obey and the need for discipline and teaching in those moments uh, and just the knowledge that they have of one another it just opens up so much more uh, opportunity for teaching and connecting it with the gospel and those kinds of things. Absolutely. I like I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think really I will a lot of times probably refer to parents as being the pastors over their kids, which of course means that parents need to eat lots of fried chicken, get significantly overweight, you know, and uh, stomp and shout uh, at least three times during family worship, right? That's right, you know, we, we buffet our bodies. <laughs> but no, I think that... A pastor often is described as being a shepherd, and especially when big churches exist, we'll have elders that are appointed for for congregation members and things like that. They can provide more of that shepherding role. And I think in a sense, that's really the role of the parent, that the church provides some broad education and broad discipleship, but only the parent can provide the specific needs and the specific care that a child really needs, as we see, I think, from Scripture. And it can be even more frequent, you know. Parental discipleship, especially when it's done every day or several times a week in family worship, we can see a lot more frequent times 
lives, even in the car when we talk about things mm-hmm. of God. There's a lot more opportunity, dramatically more opportunity. But at the same time, then the other side of the coin is that church ministries help kids in different ways. A church ministry, a Sunday school class, or a nursery can help kids learn in community in a way that they're not learning community with other pe- with other kids that are the same age as them or other kids that they're not related to at home. Right, yeah, that's a good point. There are situations where, you know, ju- you're, simply your family is not enough. God gave us the church. Yeah. And so there's other relationships there um, that are beneficial and, and helpful, even needful for your child to have. Um, and so that's why you don't just gather in your living room on Sunday. You get together with other believers in your area to, uh, and that you've, you've committed to one another to love each other and to, to be the church at that place. That's absolutely right. Do you think that most children's ministries neglect the pivotal role of families, of parents especially? I mean, I haven't done any surveys on this, but I think it is it's far too common. And maybe parents kind of expect it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if I want my kid to learn how to pitch well, I'm going to get a pitching instructor, or I'm going to te- get him a violin teacher, or this kind of thing. And so it's a little bit of the chicken and egg dynamic, you know, which one caused the other, and I don't know, but it's a kind of a, a cycle that's, that's going on and breeding more of it. I think there's a lot of factors in that. One, I think I like to look at curriculums sometimes in children's ministry curriculums, and the truth is most children's ministry curriculums, with some notable exceptions. We use the Gospel Project in our church, and I think you guys do as well at yours. Mm-hmm, we do. Uh, they do a lot for take-home, but most curriculums do nothing or almost nothing to take the lesson home, to incorporate mm. that to what parents are doing and this family discipleship. And I think that's unfortunate and detrimental. You know, even how that uh, this can be talked about is significant. Sometimes this is psychological. For example, sometimes this is the attitude that, and I've seen sometimes where a Sunday school teacher might be upset that the child's missing Sunday school because the parent perhaps has a drive or, or maybe even that they're missing uh, an opportunity to learn through a children's church because the parent wants to have the child in for the worship service to learn with him with them. I think that can be psychological. It ends up suggesting that, no, we're the main disciplers here at the church. The, and really, we end up, I think, then isolating what everyone is learning. We don't connect what's being taught at home. We don't connect what's being taught at the church. Uh, you know, I think sometimes, though, we especially this becomes worse and worse as the ages get up. And, and youth ministry, it's extraordinarily rare that one would see anything kind of connection to the home. I, I've known of even youth ministries where youth will talk to the youth pastor on things that, that uh, they need to talk to their parents about, and youth pastors will hide that from the parents. So really substantially undermining the role of the parent in discipling their kids. Uh, yeah, you know, I have been on the end of that. Now, I've, thankfully, I've never said anything to a parent. But, oh, man, I don't want them to miss this because they're going to miss this important mm-hmm. truth about the Lord or something. But And and that was a good rebuke to me. And, and like I said, thankfully, I didn't go and, you know, hey, man, you need to have your kid at Sunday school. But Because, you know, in some cases, there is more of that going on at home. And so it's not ultimately the child's Sunday school teacher's job she's not the one or he's not the one that God's coming to first for an account. He's coming to the dad and the mom. And so that, that is good to keep in mind. And so, yeah, we want to, 
to play that role up and to emphasize it rather than undermine it, whether subconsciously or intent, you know, or more overtly. Yeah. On the flip side of that coin, what are ways that you've seen churches actually undermine the role of parents? You know, I can't think of any glaring errors, but I haven't always seen parents' roles highlighted as often or as intentionally as it probably should be in, in every single church that I've ever had you know, some connection with or some knowledge of or been a part of. I, have you seen some, some bad examples of that? Yeah, I think for me, some of these times... We're trying to do good, and there is, and sometimes with church children's ministry, there can be too much of a good thing. And especially as it relates to overwhelming the schedule, overwhelming your schedule with children's programs. So even at our church, for example, we had, when I came on, uh, times when Upwards and Awanas were both going on at the same time, and kind of it was the culture where the kind of the super spiritual parents would have their kids involved in all of these things. Mm. So what would happen would be that the more spiritual parents would would have their kids all day on Sunday morning, that sometimes on Sunday nights they would have their kids at practice on Tuesday night for upwards at church in Awanas on Wednesday night, which mm-hmm. uh, is, I think, a very good thing in some ways, but uh, going to Awanas. And then Thursday night they would have another practice for upwards, and then all Saturday they would be at upwards playing those games. And so what happened was, you know, with a very good ministry that upwards can be, as well as other ministries that we had on top of that kind of, it gave little opportunity for the parent to actually practice anything close to family worship. In a sense, we gave them excuse not to practice family worship. I mean, they don't have any time with their kids. I mean, add on top of that school priorities. And I think this is unfortunately all too common, that overwhelming, having more and more and more for the kids, programs for the kids, just encourages that drop-off approach. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that is a good example that I had not thought of. But yeah, when you're just filling up the calendar with religious activity, we kind of joke around here about administrating religious activities and how we don't want to do that. Because that doesn't equal faithfulness, and and for a long time, I mean, that's been not just at our church, but in many churches within you know our fellowship, Southern Baptist Convention, and beyond. It's just you know the, yes. the faithful families are here whenever the doors are open, and you know maybe we need to rethink that and and not have the doors open as many times and let families be together where the parents can have more time with the kids to teach them or to minister with them or, or whatever yeah. it may be. And I think in that a lot of times, it's also we also see this in the attitude that pastoral leadership sees towards parents deciding to disciple their kids in different ways. For example, the, our pastor is really great about allowing parents to bring their children, even children that are fussy, <laughs> into the worship service. My kids, uh, sometimes <laughs> not always the best behavior in it, but... I have known of pastors that have had the attitude that if parents decide they'd rather have the kids in the worship service or even just in the singing, that kids are better seen, not heard, mm. really not even seen. Yeah, that's too <laughs> so bad. So tell parents, I've known of pastors even told parents of ki- of children, elementary children, that, you know, this is not where your kids need to be. Your kids need to be in our children's church program because, you know, they're a distraction to everyone in here and that this is not for, this place is not for kids. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's too bad. I, I know someone who was asking me my opinion on something, went to another church and they said, oh, this this family's been coming and their kids are just kind of unruly and it's, uh, it's a distraction. And I said, you know, that's, 
that's difficult, is it? But I mean, it is an opportunity to love those people because yeah. it seems like they do need to be there. And you know, I mean, there's ways that you can maybe help them, pray for them. But yeah, I think that is that's too bad when we have that kind of attitude that uh, this is not the place for kids and they just need to, to shut up and, and sit still, uh, which you do want to teach them to be respectful and to actually sit there and to listen and pay attention. But, yeah. I mean, kids are going to be kids. They, they have trouble just standing still. And so, you know, we bear with them in patience and in love and with their parents because, I mean, you know, their parents just not... But in most cases, the parents aren't happy that the kids are crawling all over the place. You know, they're embarrassed. I would or, hope not. Yeah. Sometimes they don't care, but generally that's not the case. Although sometimes it is tempting even an adult to start crawling all over the place and having fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. Get a football out, you know. Right. Lay down on the pew. <laughs> what are ways that you've actually seen churches successfully bridge into the parents' work at home? Um, much just most recently... My church that I went to in seminary in, in Kentucky started a, a children's catechism class with the pastor, but also said, you know, a child's come, but they also have to have a parent come with them because they're trying to make those connections. And then they made that little catechism available. And then my child was, I mean, not really even verbal hardly at that point, so I didn't take her. But but then we got the catechism, and then we started working on it some at home. And, um, I, and I know they did it a couple of times. It wasn't heavily attended, but some did attend. And so I think they were modeling mm -hmm. for the parents and then just by making it available. And then they started taking the children's church and instead of what we had been doing, they said, okay, here's the pastor's sermon. He would email it a few days before and say, okay, here is a, the, the basic outline of my sermon. And then some capable teachers took it and, and put it in a child-friendly format. And then so the kids were getting That's the awesome. same sermon. And then they also provided these guides there, you know, with the bulletins and that kind of thing that anybody could take to take that passage and then some more questions to reflect on that week. So whether it was just you as an individual or you as a family. And so it was just mm -hmm. trying to bridge those things so that people are listening to the same thing, thinking about the same thing. And it's easier to talk to your kids at lunch or some other time during the week about, okay, this is what, you know, we learned from the Bible to, to make those church home connections I think a couple ones that we've seen uh, recently at our own church that as well as other churches I, I have a high opinion of the Awana program I mean, we want Awana here at Westminster Baptist and Awana does a lot to require even parents to work through the books yeah, of the kids sometimes true. and the verses and you know often it's hugely successful and it really works similarly we use for VBS at our church we use a company called VBS Reach Out Adventures and I know you guys do as well VBS Reach Out Adventures is the only VBS I know of that has things every night that were the child needs to bring home and talk about and work through some of the things that they've been working at in VBS and it's really awesome yeah, we. I mean, we found I, I know when I told our leaders, okay, they, they had this book they're supposed to take it home and bring it back and people were like what? They're supposed to bring those things back? Are you kidding? But there's incentive for the kids, you know, they get these stickers. And, I mean, we really had a, I mean, we had a pretty good number of kids. And, a, I mean, I think the kids that did not bring their book each day, it was like in the single digits. And I want to say we had like 150 kids coming on a given day. And so I was amazed. And I think the rest of the teachers were as well. And so, but there was service projects built in and just uh, scripture stuff. So I, I thought it was a really... Uh, great format and we had a lot of kids too that, that don't come to our church that were coming and so it was a way of getting God's word to their home and 
um, you know, I, I sent a letter out trying to talk about that to the parents when they drop their kids off and that kind of thing. So I uh, pray that the Lord brings fruit from that. Absolutely. That's a wonderful resource, VBS Reach Out Adventures. Is. How do you specifically use children's ministries to reinforce parental discipleship? How do your church, rather? And that's something that we're still working on. I mean, the, the take-home elements that you mentioned are big because... Just the, I mean, just the the way that your memory works. From what I've read, once you start getting some categories, and okay, I know something about Nicodemus, say, and then I hear more about Nicodemus, I'm able to remember more of it and and fit it in because I already have some base knowledge of that. Whereas the first time it doesn't stick as well, and so. You know, we, we send out an email to them beforehand. This, this is what the lesson's about this week. And then they also get take-home stuff, um, worksheets and that kind of thing with questions to ask or uh, a verse to work on or, or those kinds of elements. And I have gotten some feedback from some parents thanking, uh, for, thanking me for those emails. They're really helpful. Some asking, oh, you know, before we had... Uh, we ha- we're not doing that with the preschool. We were doing it with the elementary, and had some preschool parents say, "Hey, how can we get that?" And so there was a hunger for it. And so one thing that I'd like I uh, would like to start doing is to send out like a quarterly newsletter uh, ahead of time, saying, "Okay, these are the things we're going to be covering," so that if parents wanted to That's try cool. to think about that at home, oh, we could do some stuff with this, or we could talk about this, just so that they can be familiar with it too. Finding ways to encourage them to talk about those this kind of things just so that it's being discussed more and so that God's Word yeah. can take root better in their life. So, and again, that, that's something we are, are developing and, and thinking more about. So, how about you guys? For us at our church, uh, I'll talk about both as our church and then me as a pastor. And if you have anything else to add on that, uh, I would love to hear that. But for our church, we all regular children's programs. Now, you know, there are exceptions. There's If we have like an Easter egg hunt, for example, we're not going to do a ton of family discipleship because it's just kind of a one-off. But all regular children's programs at our church incorporate uh, and even push, strongly encourage a take-home sheet, uh, take-home uh, material, different kind of take-home supplies. Even we write our own children's church material. We don't like this from children's church we'll talk about that another time uh, that's a training material during the service called kingdom cadets and king cadets really heavily focus on take-home sheets and with that we incorporate both catechism and fighter verses memory verses as well as doctrinal memory mm-hmm. as things that you know we primarily want the parents to be working on and then we review them to show their importance every sunday at church the and even with that we often have similar to what you mentioned with the church back in Louisville, we often have family discipleship events and we talk and we talk about what family discipleship is. On a couple of weeks we're exemplifying it through us all having family worship together at this big dinner thing. That was encouraged by actually another member of our church. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, it was not my idea at all. It was really fantastic. I'm really excited about it. Uh, we try to make sure that we discourage mere, mere drop-offs in a schedule. When we look at what's going to be in the schedule, we try to make acts to make sure that it's clear that the job of the parent is not just a drop-off, or we're not just going to offer tons and tons and tons of programs so that they can drop off and you know and get their spiritual fill that way. And I try, as a pastor, as a family pastor, I try to, something I got from you, actually, thank you for that, I try to meet with fathers. It was once a year, now a couple times a year, 
here to pray for them and to help them to be a resource for their own kids and just show them any kind of resources that might be a help to them and encouragement to them and and be excited and hear amazing stories of how they're working with their kids at the time as well as you know for even senior pastors senior pastors listening to this you can preach on it preach on it and show even when you're preaching on a sermon that's not directly about family worship what this application wise means for family worship what this means for talking to your kid on the car ride home what this means for disciplining your kids yeah yeah that's when it's coming from the pulpit regularly um that that's very important and and thankful we our senior pastor regularly will make references to that encourage parents that way and so he's very supportive and it's you know in his own home Mm -hmm. you know the practices that uh, that they do. So he's being consistent and then trying to put it in front of our people. How does a church volunteer make a bridge? And how do they bridge the gap between home and church? I think you pray for the kids that you're ministering to mm-hmm. and pray for their parents, realizing that your, your ministry doesn't just stop there with the child. Also, asking the parents if there's specific ways that you can pray for them, for the children. That's wonderful. Tell the, the parents something about the child spiritually. That, oh, you know, he's showing interest in this, or, you know, she's got a lot of questions about this. You know, contact the parents periodically. Text them, call, send them a note, Facebook, yeah. whatever, you know, to encourage them, to let them know that you are praying for them. Because that can be very encouraging, well, just to know. Because you don't know what's going on. They, they may have had a, an awful week, or they're having a difficulty with their child, and they say, oh, man, her Sunday school teacher is asking God for grace for her and for us. Um, and so it may come at just the right time, but just seeing that your, your ministry goes beyond the child. And I think that it will even affect how, when you're teaching children, how you talk to them. You know, you might ask them, how can you talk to your parents about this? That mm-hmm. ask the kids to, you know, bring this up with your parents or things like that at home and, and ask their kids even perhaps something that they've been learning from family worship if you know that's going on. And even when you, they do drop off, you know, talk to your parents. As you mentioned, talk to the parents about something they've been learning. Talk to them even about behavior type issues, you know. I know that there are churches where this culture is not encouraged, but you know, if it's a healthy situation, if the child is acting up, I would love to hear as a parent mm-hmm. trying to disciple my own kids. My kid is being a terrible <laughs> teacher or another kid. I want to hear it mm-hmm. and so that I can reinforce the importance of what's being done there. You know, and if you're a Sunday school teacher at our church, especially uh, the, especially one that works with our kids, I think it's great to encourage parents by giving them bacon, especially if they happen to be known as Pastor Tony. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And, and that can be a touchy subject. Some parents are very sensitive about that. The bacon that. part? Well, the bacon part is good, but, you know, about letting the parents know about <laughs> issues. Because um, there can be a – that can be very touchy. Parents, I mean, can take that very sensitively. Um, it can – and it can get into the idolatry issues um, mm-hmm. where, yeah, I mean, that, that it just can be complicated. But um, I, I do want to know if there's an issue because – I need to, to address that with my kids. But mm-hmm. it can be, a, for a, a parent who, who wants to know, it can be a very fruitful way of, you know, thank you for your honesty and, you know, helping the child to see their sin and, and point them to Christ. So, How do parents support on the other side? How do parents actually support uh, and encourage a children's ministry at their church? Uh, first, I don't expect 
the children's ministry leaders and workers to do all the spiritual heavy lifting and, and the shepherding of your children. Yes. You know, and, and just like I'm saying, get the leaders to ask questions to the parents or, or, you know, and to inform the parents, oh, you know, Johnny was, he was really interested in this. Ask the leader, oh, tell me something about what Johnny's doing in class. And that can open up a, a whole new avenue of things. I think also pray for the ministry, pray for the leaders, pray for the kids, and encourage the workers. A lot of times, you know, we can just take people for granted because they're there week in and week out, but thank them for using their gifts and their times. And, you know, sometimes criticism can be warranted or concern, but to think praise and encouragement before criticism, uh, and even in the midst of, well, hey, this, I, I notice this is going on, or, you know, there's this issue, but find reasons to, to point out grace instead of just expecting that they should just get everything right and then, you know, let them hear about it when they don't. And, you know, for some parents, they, they sh- can consider working in it themselves, but I don't, I mean, yes, um, yes. I don't think, I, w- I wouldn't want to mandate that because some aren't gifted for that and some just simply need a mm-hmm. break. I mean, I know of a, a mother here, she's her oldest child in college now, but she's the mother of seven. And she said, you know, when I get to be older and my kids are, are not young anymore, I'm going to, to volunteer in these children's things because I know when I was a young mom, I just needed a break sometimes to be able to, to not have to care for someone who was crying or handle some discipline situation and mm-hmm. I could have my own soul fed. And so, you know, there are some parents that, I mean, they, they need a break and to, to be fed spiritually um, in a different setting. And so I, I don't think it's a necessity, but I think it is for yeah. some to consider for sure. Uh, one thing I want to add to that is, you know, I, I mentioned that a lot of programs have great take-home sheets. I mentioned a few different ones. And if you're a parent that's concerned with discipling your kids, do them. You know, I know that there's so many options for family discipleship. There's so many devotionals, things that you can do with your kids. But one thing I think it is really important is support what your kid's church is already doing and show the, your kids why that's important. Through Perhaps if you do get the take-home sheet, take the time to do them. Maybe as an addition, maybe in place of family discipleship, family worship one night, uh, but go through the take-home sheets and talk about that lesson mm-hmm. that the kids have learned. You know, that I think if we have the mentality that we just throw away things like that, if we ignore it, we're showing our kids that this this isn't really important, that church isn't important. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, sadly, I found, uh, I mean, I didn't take it too personally, but one Sunday morning in between Sunday school and the service, I went to the restroom and I found a child's Sunday school <laughs> papers. And I, I know that she didn't put them in there because I was in the men's bathroom. And so I know sometimes yes, it can be overwhelming because the child has like, you know, 17 papers and three crafts. And it's like, oh, man, well, how yes. am I going to carry all this stuff? And I got my wife's purse and the diaper bag or whatever it is. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, dude. I've struggled with that myself sometimes, uh, you know, trying to make use of those. But to, to be intentional, okay, they've already heard this stuff. Now let's try to, to get a little bit more fruit, get a, you know, squeeze it for a little bit more. So. And no, on another future podcast, I'd like to talk about how this specifically relates to preparing their kids for worshiping the Lord in church. Because I think another major aspect for parents and partnering is preparing your kids for worshiping the Lord in the, even the worship service. But it's been a helpful, hopefully, podcast for everyone. And for workers, I encourage you to try to find ways to incorporate what you're teaching with what's being done at home. Try to reinforce what's being done at home even. For 
parents, I really strongly encourage you to find ways to partner with your church, to not discourage your church, to not even speak badly about the ministries of your church, but to try to support what's going on and, and try to be even part of it at times. And thank you again for listening to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. We are blessed to have every one of you listen. I encourage you to please download or listen to the following podcasts. We release them every first and third Thursday. We're both on iTunes and SoundCloud now. Like them if you enjoy it on iTunes or SoundCloud. And further, tell others that might be benefited by this valuable resource. Thank you for joining us today.